Hello and welcome back. This is attorney Alan Edmonds and we have an exciting episode today which uh, we received more telephone calls on from uh, individuals across the United States than uh, any other guideline. Uh, We're going to talk today about the adjudicative guidelines that are used to uh, get or obtain a security clearance And specifically, we're going to focus on guideline B, which is uh, foreign influence. Foreign influence is a huge basis and uh, for the Department of Defense to deny or withhold a security clearance. And my office is expert in representing clients from around the globe in guideline B cases. We have a huge... uh, client base of individuals from India, Pakistan, the Pacific Rim, uh, the Middle East, including Afghanistan, Iraq, and Egypt, and of course, Europe. The uh, guideline is very, very popular, as I indicated. Uh, Next to guideline F, which is financial concerns, we see more guideline B cases, foreign influence, used by the Department of Defense uh, to revoke or deny a clearance. So today we're going to discuss, uh, this is going to be a two-part series, and we're going to discuss uh, Guideline B, and we're going to start at the beginning with the regulations and work through an actual case that uh, the Edmonds Law Firm was successful on recently. As many of you know, we've been helping uh, active duty and civilian for over 45 years with offices coast to coast. We have offices that... uh, are virtual, and we have offices with uh, staff uh, under the COVID restrictions. Uh, we're able to see people also uh, with uh, Zoom or Microsoft Teams, as well as telephonic. Most of our clients uh, do retain the firm uh, through the internet, through our numerous uh, websites, uh, nationalsecurityclearances.com and allenedmonds.com. And as many of you know, uh, we also offer resources for you to learn more. We want you to appreciate the intricacies of government allegations. And we have 34 YouTube videos that are on our YouTube channel at Edmonds Law. And we also have this series, which you're listening to on Spotify and Apple and other platforms. So I'm pleased to offer this uh, instruction today on this uh, very, very important guideline. Uh, If you have questions, please call me at 800-481-2526, and I would be delighted to speak with you. Uh, Our attorneys are all trial attorneys. Uh, They're expert in this area of law. And uh, as I say, we've been doing this a long time. So let's get started with this uh, new episode, which is episode 10 on foreign influence. The, uh, the government files these actions. You fill out an SF-86 or an EKIP, and you send it into the Consolidated Adjudication Service at Fort Meade in Maryland, And uh, it's reviewed, and normally uh, in 
probably 80% or 75% of the cases, the EKIP is denied and you're given a letter, which is called a statement of reasons. We've talked about that earlier in this series of lectures and you can review the SOR episodes to familiarize yourself with uh, the statement of reasons and how important it is. I've told you and I tell people repeatedly that the response to the SOR is not a one or two page letter. Sometimes your S2, if you're in the military or your FSO, your field security officer or your security officer, whatever they designate their position to be, they tell you to write a letter back to an SOR and that is not the correct uh, steps for you to take. The procedure is much more complex and our office does responses to SOR. They run anywhere from 20 to 35 pages in length. So this is um, guideline B. And what's happened now is you've sent in your SF-86, which is the security clearance application, and you've listed foreign travel, foreign contacts, foreign business, foreign bank accounts, or foreign activities in countries outside the United States. And of course, the number one area under guideline B is relatives that are in another country. You have moved here, you've relocated to the United States, uh, perhaps you've married and have children in the United States, you've lived here for 10, 15, 20 years, and you believe, wow, this will be smooth sailing, I'm going to send in my SF-86 and I will get the security clearance because I've been in the United States for over 10 or 15 years. And then you uh, uh, learn that that's not the case, that the Department of Defense uh, digs deep into these cases and they want to know about relatives and friends and business associates in other countries. So reading from the guideline, it says that the concern that the Department of Defense has is, quote, a security risk may exist when an individual's immediate family, including cohabitants and other persons to whom he or she is bound by affection, influence, or obligation, are not citizens of the United States, and that therefore the applicant could be subject to duress. So what the government is indicating here is if you have relatives in a foreign country, they believe that that foreign country or government or military could find out that you're in the United States, that you hold a security clearance. And in essence, they're going to bring some type of duress or undue influence on your family members in that foreign country. Um, that's not so far-fetched as we've seen with the wars in the Middle East. And we've seen a number of refugees escaping Iraq, uh, especially true of linguists. And the Edmonds Law Firm represents linguists that have been deployed around the globe uh, working with our military. But the linguists are often subject to undue duress or their family members are when they're left behind in a hostile country. And um, what they have to do is uh, many literally pack up and leave in the middle of the night and start uh, this incredible journey 
out of a foreign country that's hostile and um, they become refugees and they seek asylum in the United States and they're granted refugee status. And that's uh, a very, very uh, brief overview of this class of applicants and clients, but that's to put some meaning and information under how the government perceives that foreigners can be subject to duress or undue influence. And um, the regulation says that. It says, and I'll continue to read it, these situations could create the potential for foreign influence that could result in the compromise of classified information, contacts with citizens of other countries, or financial interests in other countries are also relevant to security determinations. So this office has handled over 3,500 cases. I have litigated cases with all kinds of fact patterns. And the financial concerns can be property that you hold or your family holds in a foreign country. It can be bank accounts. It can even be artwork. I just did a case with a family that had uh, artwork that was valued at over a million dollars and they couldn't get it out of the country because the country would not allow the removal of artwork or collect collectibles uh, out of the country uh, unless certain requirements were met. And the United States, the Department of Defense was aware of the artwork because my client had divulged it on an SF-86, and they used that as a basis to deny a security clearance. And we litigated that case. And uh, there are other myriad of examples of financial concerns. One of the most popular is sending money back to relatives. You'd never know this. Uh, your parents are have medical problems or they don't have the financial means to uh, live on their own. So many of my clients send money back to the country in question only to find out that the United States Department of Defense does not want you to send money to foreigners. So uh, that's the that's the guideline. And uh, there are substantial reasons why you can still get a clearance with a guideline B allegation. However, you have to be very, very careful. And uh, part of our service to our clients is indeed to uh, present mitigating factors and overcome the allegations of concern that the particular applicant is a risk to national security. Um, one of the mitigating factors that we use when a client comes to us with relatives in a foreign country is to show through evidence that the nature of the relationship with those foreign people is not likely to place our client in a position of having to choose between interests in the foreign country or those individuals and the people here. Um, another mitigating factor might be to show with sufficient evidence that our client has a strong sense 
uh, an obligation to the United States. His allegiance is to the United States. How do you show that? Well, there's many, many ways, but one example may be that our client um, joined the military forces here in the United States, or as I've indicated earlier, was a linguist and served next to the military in the Middle East when they went on deployments. So uh, that is a mitigating factor. Another uh, mitigating factor may be uh, your cooperation with the investigative process. And um, so there's a variety of grounds upon which we develop a case in mitigation. In fact, there's 17 that we use in our firm. It's funny because I'll have other lawyers call us and say, how do you win these cases? And clients call and they want to know, well, how do you do this? And that's not the function of this episode, but also uh, we have developed a uh, method for winning these cases and it's evolved over uh, 20, 30 years. And of course, we have to be mindful of the judges that the cases are being brought in front of. We have to be mindful of what's going on politically in the country. So things change, politics are volatile, and all of that influences a guideline B case of foreign influence and foreign preference. So that's just a quick overview of the regulations. Now I want to walk you through an actual case we had. Um, we had a client and we won this case with the written response only. And that's an important uh, point to grasp. This law firm quotes flat fees. Many law firms will quote a retainer and then charge the client hourly, or they'll quote a huge flat fee and they'll bundle the response with a hearing. And I think that's unfair to the applicant. At the Edmonds Law Firm, you pay for the service that you need and nothing more. So we charge a flat fee for each step, which is the response to SOR. And if that's unsuccessful, we charge a flat fee for the hearing. In this case, uh, our client paid us a flat fee for the response to SOR. It was a formal response and uh, it was over 30 pages long. And the allegations brought against this individual, and I'll read them, is, quote, you sponsored your spouse, a citizen of Turkey, into the United States in 2018. And uh, the second allegation was your spouse maintained a checking account in Turkey with a balance of $12,800. And uh, then they said the third allegation was your spouse maintained a savings account in Turkey with $17,000. So this was, this fell under the uh, guideline B allegations in the adjudicative guidelines. And that was the SOR. Now in this case, there was also a uh, guideline C, which is foreign preference. And they said that uh, because of the three allegations earlier, um, 
your conduct indicated a preference for a foreign country over the United States. We will talk about guideline C later. And there was another guideline in this case, which was guideline E, personal conduct. So many SOR, statement of reasons, contain more than one guideline. And uh, that's not uncommon. Sometimes they contain only one guideline. We see this most often in cases of guideline F, which is financial concerns. And there we'll see many, many debts that are listed and perhaps unpaid taxes. But back to guideline B. So those were the allegations. And we responded in writing, as I said, to the uh, consolidated adjudication facility uh, at Fort Meade. And our response was received, reviewed, and they found it very, very compelling. And they ended up withdrawing the SOR, the Statement of Reasons. And when the government withdraws an SOR, that means the objection to your clearance, either it was your first security clearance application or it was a periodic review or the third instance could have been it was a upgrade you were seeking a top secret clearance for example uh, from a secret clearance in any event we won this case and the government withdrew the sor so our client's uh, security clearance was granted and the beauty of this was that he never saw a courtroom he never had to hire us to do a security clearance hearing, which we do three to four a week. And so he saved a tremendous amount of money. Needless to say, he was very, very happy because uh, he got his job and uh, reinstated. And uh, his family, he was the sole breadwinner in his family. And um, he had two children. And he had lived outside the country for a while uh, in different countries. I mentioned Turkey, and I mentioned uh, he also lived in Australia. And uh, now he was back on the job. And uh, it was a really, really wonderful experience for him and his family to have this weight lifted off their shoulders. Uh, this this individual was a very bright individual. Um he had a PhD and he worked for the uh, FAA uh, in the United States and uh, out of uh, New Jersey. And he was a, uh, a very, very gifted uh, research development scientist and uh, he kept his job. So we, in addition to doing the written response, which is the content, we also sent in a small notebook of exhibits and uh, that helped prove our case and it helped to diminish or mitigate the concerns of the government. At the end of the day, the clearance was reinstated and uh, he was grateful. So that is an overview of a guideline B case. Um, as I said, call me at 800 481 2526 if you have uh, questions. The series is going to continue with uh, other guidelines in the adjudicative guideline uh, 
regulations, we have thus far discussed uh, guideline F, uh, which is financial concerns, and now we've dealt with guideline B, uh, foreign influence and foreign preference. And we're going to go through the most popular guidelines first, and then we're going to uh, go back and cover the guidelines that uh, have not been discussed that are still being used by the Department of Defense, but they're not used as frequently. Uh, most of our clients, a lot of our clients come from India and Pakistan, and uh, a lot of our clients come from uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, and Iran. Uh, you should know, however, and this is in incredible, but you can be from Germany or you can be from uh, any European country which are allies to the United States, and you may still receive a statement of reasons. Uh, you can be in the armed forces. I've represented people that were in the armed forces of Germany, an ally to the United States, an officer, and he received a statement of reason saying uh, we are not going to grant him a security clearance uh, in the United States for his work with uh, our military. So don't be shocked at the conduct of the government. It changes the people that evaluate your response to SOR and evaluate your SF-86, the security clearance application, uh, vary. Uh, some of them are uh, better trained than others. So there's no uh, criteria really that I can discern why some people can submit a written response and be successful and others not other than the type of response you submit. And it's very important that your response is formal. It's very important that you know the law and you can speak to mitigating factors and throw in some case law. It helps. So thank you for joining me on this episode. This is Attorney Alan Edmonds. Call me at 800-481-2526. Thank you.